Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. We are in a four-week series that we are calling Befriend, right? And in this series, the idea is that we want to actually put a little spotlight on evangelism. So the people in this room, there are the two groups. The people are, one, excited about evangelism. They want to get into it. We're really, really keen. We're like, yes, I'm ready. I'm doing it next week. I'm doing it anywhere I get to. And other people are like, no, no, right? The other people are like, no, I don't want to, hmm. That's for the one, the professionals. The pastors, the Brents, the Lorenz, and every now and then to me. It's for those guys. Those guys have PhD in well, how the Bible works, how you like decrypt the Bible and all those little things. It's that or it's the guys preaching on the street corners, right? With the little boom box with the mic and, and the speaker that they got for like 500 bucks and it sounds like the whole time and somewhere you hear the word Jesus, then you know what they're all about, right? Or it's about the guys who are willing to cross borders just to share the gospel. This is who evangelism is for. It's for the pastors, it's for the guys preaching on the street corners and it's for the guys crossing borders, sharing the good news. That is, some, that is sometimes the picture that we have of evangelism. But I want to ask you guys this question. What if you're wrong? What if the evangelism is, is not just for the PhD pastor, or it's not just for the, the guy who, who, who crosses border, or the guy with the boombox, or even for extroverts? What if evangelism is for everyone? So we want to look into the way that we can start evangelizing. And the one way that we can get into it is through friendship evangelism. So that's our focus for the next three weeks, is we're going to look at friendship evangelism. There's, there's about six ways in which we can get into it, but the one we're focusing on is this one. So why friendship evangelism? Well, it's because friendship, one, is the cheapest thing on this planet, right? It's free. It's practically free, if you're a good friend, <laughs> right? Evangelism, in that evangelism, friendship is free. Friendship is the one commodity that anyone can share with anyone. Regardless of where you come from or where you're going, you can always be a friend. And what a perfect time to actually start stepping into friendship evangelism because there's a study that goes out that says Gen Z, so that is anyone from born between 1995 to 2010. If, if that's you, you can raise your hand. If you were born after 1995, you can raise your hand. Feel proud, you're young, there's a future, there's something to look forward to, you don't have gray hair yet, you don't have to pay taxes, some of you, it's a, it's a beautiful day to be in between those spaces, right? It's a beautiful day to be a Gen Z. But also, we have been recorded as one of the loneliest generations. Not one of, the loneliest generation. So Brent, my dog, you missed it. Lucky, lucky. You're not lonely. You're not lonely. It's just me and the rest of us. But, but we're all lonely, right? So we are, we are recorded as the loneliest generation. We have the most connection, as in the, the, the term that I can WhatsApp a friend in China. I can connect with another guy in Italy. I can play PlayStation with the guy in Japan. But in terms of relationship, we have none. We have the least amount of relationship. So this is one of the ways that we can actually start loving one another. We can actually start loving the people next to us is by being a friend, by extending some friendship. And one of the ways we're going to evangelize is exactly that, by being a friend, extending some friendship. So for the introverts in the room, you're probably thinking to yourself, I have three friends. Like, it's more than enough. I've reached the epitome of friendship. I've done it. I've smashed it. This is good. But I want to challenge you guys to, to become a friend to one more person or three more people. Who knows? Maybe you're an extrovert on the inside. 
So how do we get, okay, maybe not. <laughs> so how do we get started, right? How do we get going in this friendship evangelism, right? Well, the first step to being a friend to anyone is this, know their name, all right? For all the extroverts, this is a step for you too, right? Because all the extroverts, I know you guys, you pop into a conversation, like, how are you, how are you doing, where are you from, no, 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 and you haven't even caught the person's name, and that's, that's me personally, I'm just sharing, I'm confessing, I do not know any, <laughs> I might know eight names in this room, I've met everyone. I've had conversations with almost everyone, and I know like eight people's names, right? I will not forget your life story, but your name? Like Jonathan right here in the front, and, <laughs> and James right there in the black shirt. Like, like, I'm bad with names. I know he's a pastor somewhere, and he's journeying the journey, he's, he's doing it really well, and he's working at a restaurant, but his name, <laughs> right? So for everyone involved, everyone in this room, the first step that we can take to being a friend is knowing a name. Because there's a real strength and there's some real power in knowing someone's name. And there's, there's, there's real power in names, right? Maybe not a name like Strawberry or like Sky, but like other names, like real names. Those, those, there's a real power <laughs> in knowing someone's name, right? So because your name is the word that's most frequently spoken over you, like Brent. That's the most, that's the most common word spoken over you. That is the name that is most common spoken of, and you don't have anything to do with choosing it. You didn't, you didn't get consent. You didn't give consent. No one asked you your opinion, and I'm kind of grateful my mom didn't ask me my opinion because I would have, you know, it would have been horrible, guys. Honestly, in, in primary school, I used to call myself Royal T, like Royal, the word, and then dash T. So imagine that. <laughs> it would have been, it would have been horrible. It would have been, it would have been bad. It would have been, I'm dead. I'm, I'm stuck with Timmy. I'm grateful. <laughs> But our names are the things that are most commonly spoken over us, right? And that we attach so much of who we are and it define ourselves so much with our names. Our names are really, really crucial, right? Because they, when, when someone calls your name, it brings you to attention. If I say William, William will look up. You just did it right there. William will look up. He'll have, I'll have his attention. He'll be expectant of something. And it'll leave us with anticipation with something good and maybe, hopefully, nothing bad, right? See, when someone calls you out, it leaves an impression. When someone calls you by name, it leaves an impression. When someone calls you, it makes you notice, right? And I want to share this, this, this story with us, with you guys. It's in Luke 19, verse 1 to 6. And it's, it's a story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. So it starts like this. Jesus enters Jericho and was passing through. A man, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran, and he, he ran ahead and climbed on a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must, have, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So Jesus had a little come down with me with Zacchaeus. That's what happened right there, right? So in this, in this passage, we see one, we introduced to a character named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, back in the day, tax collectors were like the, the worst guys ever. They were literally taking money from their own people to give to Rome, to give to the people that were oppressing them, right? And now Zacchaeus wasn't even just like your run-of-the-mill tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the big, bad tax collector. Not big, but he was the bad tax collector. He was about yeah, big, I'm pretty sure, right? Because he was short, I'm average height. This is just average. This is average height. So, <laughs> so, so, come on, Jason, work with me. So, 
So Zacchaeus. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a chief, was a chief tax collector. His name was associated with a lot of bad things. His name had a bad connotation. His name would leave a bad taste in people's mouths. His name was associated with words like traitor, cheapskate, filthy oppressor, and these are not good things, right? These are bad things to be associated with. Now, being short probably wasn't a bad thing for Zacchaeus. He probably loved like sneaking under the radar at that point, because he was not necessarily the best character in the Bible. But we look, in, in Jesus, in, we look at Luke 19, verse 5, where Jesus comes to the spot and he shines a spotlight on Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. And at that moment, I'm sure everyone was waiting. Everyone was waiting in anticipation. Like, I mean, this is Jesus, guys. This is, this is the good teacher. This is the, the potential Messiah. This is the guy who's healing everyone. This is the guy who's, who's sharing the good news and speaks with authority. This is the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. Now everyone's waiting to, meet, to see this engagement between Jesus, the Holy of Holies, and Zacchaeus, the short tax collector. What do you think was going to happen? Everyone's waiting. He's a moment of shame. The moment where Jesus rebukes him and tells him, there is no seat in heaven for you. You're not welcome in this space. But Jesus, being Jesus, knowing the, the meaning and the power of the name Zacchaeus, Jesus calls Zacchaeus out. His name means to be pure, and innocent. That is not at all how Zacchaeus felt. Zacchaeus felt like what his name was associated with. Zacchaeus felt like the, the traitor, the cheapskate, the filthy oppressor. But in this moment, Jesus calls him by name and he calls him innocent and pure. Jesus honors him in this moment, he honors him in a public place, and he offers him his friendship. He says, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house tonight. It's going to be a blast. You're rich, you're gonna feed me good stuff, I'm joking. But Jesus honors Zacchaeus in this moment. And we see that in this moment, Zacchaeus steps into a whole new way of living. He no longer acts the way he acts, he no longer behaves the way he behaves. And we see that in Luke, Luke 19, verse eight and nine, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up there and said to the Lord, look, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay it back four times as much. And Jesus responds and he says, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. You see what can happen when we extend our friendship, when we extend a hand and we say, listen, I notice you and I see you and I call you out by name. Do you see the power of being a friend, the power of knowing a name? See, Jesus shows us the impact that we can have by offering our friendship it, because it communicates something when you call someone out by name. It says that I see you, I acknowledge you, I value you, and it makes it personal. Any conversation we'll have from this point on, when I start with your name, it's about me and you. It makes it a personal conversation. And God gets personal with us as well. We read it in Isaiah 43, and some of us interpret it differently, but Whatever you, however you want to interpret it, you can make that verse personal. And it says, I have called you by name. You are mine. And maybe it's time that we got a little bit personal too. Maybe it's time we started calling people by their names. So, friends, I'm sure there are one or two people in this room. And I'm not going to say extrovert or introvert because we're more than just that, right? And there's a person in this room, there are a group of people in this room who are excited and excitable and are ready to have a friend right now. Ready to go make a friend right now. They probably even started during the service and was like, hey man, 
Oh, when Timmy's done speaking, I have like a bride my place after this. We can hang out. I know we've never met before, but where are you from? See, they missed the point of the name again. But anyway. And there are other people who are like, Yo, I hope no one talks to me after the service. <laughs> I'm just going to run and hide. Don't miss out. You might get a free coffee. Like, just stick around. Maybe be a friend. But whoever you are in this time, I want to give us some, some, some tools that we can maybe start using in being a friend and starting to be a friend. All right? So the first one is this, is we need to be present. The way that we can start being friends, the way we can start extending friendship is actually being present where we are. All right? And also being present, being where, the, where people need friendship. See, Jesus came down from heaven all the way here to earth to meet us so that we can engage with him, so that we can have relationship with him. Jesus started fishing where the fish were. And we should start fishing with a fish heart too. Because if we look in this building and all the churches in the world, that's about 10% of the people we have. 90%, they're out there. They're waiting for a friend. All right? And then the next one we can do, next step we can take is one. Is number two is make a friend. Easy, simple, right? Make a friend. You don't have to become a friend of everyone again because our generation we're really good at that if i ask you how many friends you have on facebook you'd be like 1003 <laughs> but how many friends do you have four all right so make a friend catch the one journey with that person engage with that person get to know that person be their friend and number three break bread Right? Eat together, hang out together, spend time together, and keep it casual, guys. You don't have to go out there and start spreading the good news and being like, hey, I know we just met yesterday and I said we're going to have coffee. But what do you think, like, when rapture happens? You don't have to start that conversation, right? You don't have to do any of that. You can just have a conversation with someone. You don't have to keep it, you don't have to be spiritual, you just be yourself. All right? And you, there's, there's no pressure for any of that. And you, once again, I want to add this there as a quick disclaimer. If there is food, you can pray for the food. You can be yourself. You are, you're the Christian in the conversation. So you can pray for the food and really engage with it. And number four is to cultivate some common ground. Right? Find some common interests. If you see that they like gaming, that's a, that's, that's a topic you can talk about for a good 10 minutes and then you segue to something else. Something real, like food. Or like, like where, what, you know, what are you studying, students? <laughs> I'm joking. But you can start journeying with these conversations and finding some common grounds that when you interact and you engage, you have something to talk about. You have something to do together, right? And then number five is this. It's for us to be available. Listen with compassion, not competition. You're not here to win an argument. You're just here to listen to someone. I was told that one of the most loving things you can do to someone is just listen. Just validate what they're feeling, what they're going through, and be like, hmm, sure. That sounds rough. You can write those notes down. Those are my, my go-to words. All right? Listen with compassion, not competition. All right? And then let them help you sometimes. Every now and then, let them help you out. You don't have to show them that you, you don't have to be a superhero. You can show them that you are a human too, that you are just a person. And you're a person who leans on Christ. You're a person who leans on something bigger and stronger than themselves. And they can maybe start looking at you as an example, how they can start leaning on Jesus, how they can start journeying with Jesus through their times of trials, through their whatever they may be going through. All right? And then number, the third point of this one is celebrate the good times. I mean, if, if, if you're a parent and you're a co-parent group and they have a, a child birthday party, go to it, celebrate it. 
do you remember you doing life with this person? This person is your friend. If they just found out that they got a new iPhone, celebrate it. You might not have one, you might still have your little Motorola, but you just celebrate them, right? Just celebrate the good times as well. And the next one is this one. And this might be the most important one out of all of them, is to pray. Pray for this person. Don't just try to do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own might, but pray for them. And we're going to have a little moment soon in the service where we actually get to exercise this muscle, where we start praying for people, praying that, we, that the Holy Spirit start nurturing the ground, start nurturing their hearts, start moving within them so that they are ready for a conversation about faith, about Jesus, about the thing that makes us come alive. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to write down some names that we have already. And we're just going to start praying over them. And we're going to have this, we're going to express this moment in the, with that beautiful tree that Nalene made for us. And we're going to stick some names on that tree. And we're going to have faith as a, as a city, as a campus. We're going to have faith for these people. That they will have an, an encounter with the thing that made us come alive. With the person who made us come alive. With Jesus Christ himself. So I'm going to ask that the band get ready, start stepping up, and then I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to get into it together. Is that okay? All right. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful and thankful that you got to extend your friendship with us, that we can call you friend, that we can walk life with you, that we can celebrate the good times, feel sad and mourn the bad times, that we can journey life with you, Jesus. So, Lord, we pray that we can invite other people on this adventure, on this adventure with you. That we pray for our friends, Lord. We pray for the names that are going to be up on that tree. We pray that they meet you, that they have this wild, crazy, fun, life-giving journey with you too. And in this moment, Lord, we pray that you, you step in and you intervene and you start warming up their hearts. You, stop warm, you start warming up the conversations that we're going to have, Lord. I'm getting excited right now just thinking about us starting the journey of just saying, Hi, my name is Tumi. How are you? Meeting this person. Knowing that they're going to step into a space where they get to meet Jesus. Where their lives will turn around completely. Where they all start to encounter you. Where they all meet life and life in abundance. Amen. So friends, there's these two baskets here in front. And they have these little circles. And what we want you guys to do is write down a name on the circle. A name that you're trusting to meet God. <laughs> a name that you're trusting for that they all come alive in Jesus. That they'll meet the loving Father that we've met. That they'll start living a full and abundant life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services. 